All hail the Chiefs, except this weekend. Except this weekend, episode 53 of 53, 63 of Nothing to Say, the fans podcast, as Sam Toomey and Dom Taylor join us. Well, Sam's not joining us, but Dom is joining us again this weekend. Sam, how was your week? And more like all hail the king, the new goat of the NBA. Oh, we'll get into that. We'll get into plenty of that as we get further along into the show. Dom, how was your week, man? Uh, it was great. I uh, I had an exceedingly busy week. Honestly, it was probably one of the busiest I've ever had in my college career. But um, I, I got through it, and I completed everything. And uh, everything, uh, you know, I'm just happy I, I came out clean on the other side. Well, good, 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 good. Um, I don't – well, okay. So I got to ask, since you brought it up, what made it so busy? <laughs> so – uh, basically I just had like, like every single class I had something due for all my extracurricular, like all my internships, I had assignments due. Um, I had an article quota for the, for the radio station I work for. So I had to get those up. Um, I was creating a, a sports package of this one local, uh, running back was a really incredible story. Um, so I was just trying to gather interviews and I had a huge debacle with camera gear and it was just, everything started to pile up. I was basically in my room for about five straight days, just completely, um, but yeah, yeah, everything worked out in the end, so it's all good. Hey, but you know, that's what you got to do to get stuff done. If that's what you got to do and that's what you got to uh, accomplish throughout the week to uh, to be the best at your craft, then you know what? Got to sacrifice that. So nice job to you. Thank you very much. Nice job to you. Sam, um, I, I have to ask, have, are you recovered yet? Are, are, are you okay from this weekend? Do, do we need to, do you need an ice pack or, or a binky? Um, I, I need you to. I need you to come over and console me, Jason. I, need, I just need a big hug. <laughs> oh, I really am sorry that you guys got Fitz Magic this weekend, <laughs> dude. Uh, I, I think a part of my soul died seeing Jimmy G on the sidelines at the start of the second half, knowing that he was <laughs> a healthy scratch. <laughs> we'll get into that uh, as we uh, as we move further along because there's a lot that happened this weekend, including a major injury some rescheduling of games. It was a very interesting weekend in the NFL. It was also a very interesting weekend and week in the NBA as the NBA Finals comes to a close. The Los Angeles Lakers are now 17-time NBA champion Los Angeles Lakers win the title, giving LeBron James his fourth ring. And there's, of course, now going to be even more conversation about who actually is the GOAT, LeBron James or Michael Jordan, which I'm sure we will get to a little bit later on in the show as well. But I wanted to introduce a little trivia to the show. Sam and I have been are always talking about introducing new segments to the show, and one of the things that we thought would be interesting to do would just be to uh, tell a little sports trivia. And any trivia question that I ask on this show is going to be relevant to the past seven days. So these two trivia questions that I ask are going to be relevant, like I said, so this past weekend in football or baseball, basketball, doesn't matter. It'll be random each week. Uh, the ones that I have in particular are about the NBA and the MLB. So the first one, Jimmy Butler outright led his team in the finals in points, rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks. Who is the only other player in NBA history to lead their team in points, rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks in the finals outright who did it and when did they do it and then also your mlb question 
Who is the first second baseman in, well, I believe it is um, in MLB history to win the NL MVP in back-to-back years? Who was the first second baseman to win the MVP back-to-back? All right. Those are your two trivia questions. We will get to those later on in the show. You guys can, whoever's listening, you guys can all think about that, Sam. You can try to figure out the answer uh, throughout the show. If you have a guess just randomly throughout the show, then just let me know. Can I, I'll just say it now because I feel like I'll just Google the answers. I don't know the MLB one because second mm-hmm. basemen don't usually win um, MVPs in baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't even think, like the, the only MVP that I know that was a second baseman was Jeff Kent, but I don't think, he didn't go back to back. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, I have no idea for that one. All right. So, do you want the baseball answer one now or later? No, no, no. You got to do it at the very end. And right, I'm going to do, gonna do the very end. The, um, the NBA one. I'm going to go for a team that won. Was that that was the stipulation? It was just the first. Jimmy Butler is the second player in NBA history. So, regardless of winning. So I think LeBron did it, but you I also, are correct. I also think so. That was it. That was it. But when did he do it? Oh, uh, yeah. When they won? Uh, was it the Cleveland one? He was in Cleveland at the time. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> he, okay. You know, I'll just give it to you. It was, was twenty sixteen. Oh, in Cleveland. Twenty sixteen against the against the Warriors. When they so. won in, in game in seven games, mm-hmm. okay. So I will give you all the baseball one later on, but that means you have to stick around to the end of the show if you really want to know. So uh, Dom is back with us this week, and Dom is going to be with us hopefully uh, every week moving forward. If not every week, then almost every week moving forward because he, well, to put it plainly, he's just better at analyzing college football than Sam and I are. He is more knee-deep in it than we are, so we decided to give him his own segment on this show right at the very beginning of the show because there are football games that happen other than the NFL. So, Dom, give us your weekend recap of the college football season. Thanks, Jason. I appreciate it. Uh, First off, I just wanted to say, guys, thank you very much for giving me the time to do this. Um, There's really nothing that I enjoy more than just discussing college football uh, like obviously it's my favorite sport without a doubt. So uh, this is just, uh, this is a lot of fun for me. So uh, I'm excited to be bringing you guys content every single week. Um, let's go ahead and jump right into it. So guys, this was the best morning section of college football that I've ever seen. What I mean by that is like, for me, it would be the 11 o'clock games for you guys it would be the nine o'clock games on, uh, on Pacific time, but the morning games rocked this week and I've never really seen a slate of good games. Um, that was really this quality. So, I mean, the first game right off the bat, uh, number four gets upset on – number four, Florida, gets upset on the road at Texas A&M, 41-38. to um, This was completely unexpected based on the way they played at Alabama last week. Bama held them to 24 points, which uh, is very surprising for what Bama just did, but we're going to get to that. <laughs> um, they came in guns a-blazing. <laughs> they came in uh, really guns a-blazing this week. Um, I think Florida 
they're not going to get into the playoff at this point. You know, you can't lose on the road to a, a two and one Texas A and M team. Um, I think AM is going to prove throughout the year, like they have before, they usually fall apart around the end of November. Uh, look for Texas A&M to do that. I think this is kind of a fluke, but Florida has some defensive problems that they need to address. They're, they're letting up way too many yards. They did that the first week against Ole Miss, um, and, and yet again, they do it against A&M. Finally, it kind of catches up with them. Um, so Florida, they fall back to 10. Surprisingly, A&M drops to 11, even though they beat Florida, so they're still behind Florida in the AP poll um, by one spot. I don't really know how that works out, but um, that's the AP poll for you. Uh, then the other game in the SEC that was uh, very interesting, Missouri, unranked Missouri hands LSU the, their second loss of the season, 45-41. to The defending national champs are 1-2 and two on the season right now, which is awful. Uh, that's not at all how we thought they were going to be starting. Definitely not losing to an unranked Mississippi State team week one, and definitely not losing to an unranked Missouri team in week three. And... Um, you know, it sends LSU home scratching their heads. They really have, like Florida, a ton of questions on that defense. They're letting up, I think they let up like 500 yards of offense to Missouri this past week. Uh, Miles Brennan, he had 430 touchdowns. Or 430, 430 touchdowns, touchdowns. <laughs> my goodness. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, what I was reading probably was the stat, which is uh, how many touchdowns the <laughs> defense has let up so far. That's good. Um, but, uh, that's, yeah. No, 430 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, that was Miles Brennan's stat line. Uh, again, he is in relief for Joe Burrow at that quarterback position for LSU. He's doing fine, um, but the defense is not. And, uh, you know, you're going to kind of see that that is a common theme in the SEC right now. As much as it pains me to say, uh, defense is dead right now in the SEC. We kind of look like the Big 12. I don't really know what's going on. We cannot stop anything, really. Um, and that brings me to the second game. I know there's a lot of SEC – the third game. I know there's a lot of SEC bias here, but uh, Ole Miss-Alabama, that was the game of the night, uh, the nighttime slot. Uh, I have no idea what happened, guys. I'm just going to be completely honest with you. We have a terrible defensive coordinator. He needs to go. We should have left him in Oxford. This was the highest scoring game in regulation history in the SEC, uh, 63 to 48 was the final. Alabama did come out on top. We were led by Najee Harris. He had 23 carries, 208 yards, five touchdowns. Um, he now has 10 total touchdowns on the season. That actually leads that leads the entire country in rushing touchdowns. Um, he's kind of jumped into the Heisman race a little bit. He's now, uh, I believe he's fifth uh, in the Heisman race, according to ESPN. And, um, Bama, I mean, again, we've got an incredible offense. We have no defense. I really don't know. Um, I, I've moved us back, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about my playoff picture here in a second. I have us moved back from where I had us last week. I think there are several teams at this point that are better than, better than us, and I can be completely honest about that. I know I sounded very uh, boisterous last week. I was boastful, but um, I can be honest when we look bad, and we look bad. I don't think we're the number one team in the nation Ooh. or two or three. <laughs> Uh, the other kind of – yeah, I know, that's a hot take, but uh, I'm going to stand by that. The other good games that we had this week, North Carolina 56, Virginia Tech 45, another barn burner. Um, Virginia Tech, you know, what makes this game interesting, Virginia Tech was actually down by 21 points in the third quarter and then came back and put up 23. They brought it really, really close to North Carolina, uh, but they ended up pulling it out there at the end. That was a really, really fun game to watch. Um Virginia Tech, 
they moved back in the AP poll. North Carolina actually moved up to five uh, right now. So that and it's the first time, uh, really, in ACC history that they've had three teams in the top five, and those, of course, are Clemson, Notre Dame this year, which don't even get me started. <laughs> Technically, they're not even an ACC team. It's just this year, uh, and then North Carolina at five. That's again first time that's ever happened for the ACC. So kudos to them. It's only going to last this year. Um, and then finally, you know, the, the other games that really were interesting, Tennessee at Georgia, I thought that was going to be kind of underrated. It really didn't turn out that way. Tennessee didn't even score after the first half. Um, Georgia ran away with that one. And then I, I'm kind of I'm, I'm struggling to, to talk about this game because it, it, it just makes me so angry. Um, I, I think what I'm going to do in the future, guys, is I'm going to put together a segment of all the times that Auburn has gotten some black magic, uh, weird part of the rule book <laughs> that nobody even knows about, kind of went their way. Uh, and I'm going to compile those because there's at least five to ten examples I could give you of times they've done this. But it happened again this last week against Arkansas. Um, 30 to 28, Bo Nix, he throws the ball trying to spike it. Uh, it's actually a bad snap that he picks up and then spikes it backwards, right. which technically would be a fumble. Um, but uh, according to some weird, ridiculous bylaw, it, it basically the rules is like, if it doesn't really look like a fumble to the refs, then they kind of just call it an incomplete pass. Um, however, that they've never even seen an example of something like that ever happen. And of course, Auburn gets the ball back. They just take a knee. And um, that's the end of the game. 30-28, Auburn beats Arkansas, even though Arkansas 100% deserved to win that game and probably would have had that not happened. Um, I'm incredibly frustrated with how that game turned out, but whatever. Auburn doesn't really look that good anyways. I think we're going to boat race him come time for the Iron Bowl in November. That's my take. I know it was different from last week with just how they've played so far and the chip that we're going to have on our shoulder this season. Um, I'm kind of changing my mind on that. Now, um, the final thing that we're going to get to here, it's my playoff picture. It's, gonna, it's something Perfect. I'm going to be doing every single week for you guys. I'll give you how the playoff is kind of showing up um, for me. And uh, here, here's how it's going this week. So we've got some shakeups from last week. Uh, the number one spot has not changed. Number one, I have Clemson. Number two, I have Georgia. So they've actually surpassed Alabama. Um, I think that of all the teams that have played so far, they have played the best. And then – uh, you know, it was kind of a toss-up for me at number three between Ohio State and Notre Dame. And um, I, I really don't think there's any other teams that kind of deserve that third spot right now. So, But I, I'm going to say Ohio State because I think Notre Dame, I, I still am not sold on their abilities. They're playing a pretty weak ACC schedule. They haven't been challenged. Uh, they let an abysmal Florida State team put up 26 on them this week. So um, I'm going to take – uh, I'm going to take Ohio State at the third spot, and then I still have Alabama at the fourth spot, but I think all of the teams ahead of us are better. Um, Alabama has tons of things that they need to fix. We missed 38 tackles this last game, 38 tackles uh, for hundreds of yards. It was the, the most yards we've ever let up in a game since uh, the 70s, I believe. Um, or no, actually, that was the most yards we've ever let up ever. We have – ridiculous problem on defense right now and uh, we got to get better and especially in time for next week when the number two Georgia Bulldogs who I just talked about come to Tuscaloosa and take us on and according to the AP poll we are number two they are number three 
So, yeah, guys, that's the game of the week. Uh, number two, Alabama against number three, Georgia in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. I don't have a ticket. Tickets are going for like 300 bucks. I don't have that much money. If you would like to Venmo me, that would be great. <laughs> I'd love to go to that game. But um, I don't know if that's going to happen. But uh, I'm holding out hope. So, um, yeah, guys, it's going to be a really, really great game next week. That's really the only interesting one for next week, though. But um, it's going to be a fantastic game. And, um, yeah, guys, that's all I got for you in, in terms of college football. But um, it's uh, it's shaping up. It's been a really, really fun week of college football, and it's going to be another great I absolutely next. love it. And your, t- and your top four are different than uh, the AP top four. Um, interesting. Who did you have at number four again? Yeah, number you had four. Bama, Bama, and then I, I don't so think okay, so it was three. Then who yeah. did you have at three? Ohio State. Yeah, three. That's I have right. Ohio State, and uh, the AP poll still has them. I believe. Yeah, there's six, six right now. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't really know why. Uh, I still would take Ohio State over both of the teams in front of them. Uh, Notre Dame and North Carolina, and definitely us, um, even though they haven't played a game. They just have the talent. I know what they're returning. Um, and then <laughs> right now with the Big 12, Oklahoma State, uh, out of nowhere, is the best team uh, in the Big 12 right now. They've got that seven spot. They still have a real, you know, they have a real shot of making the playoff, uh, but they have to hope a lot of the teams in front of them lose and they kind of sweep the Big 12 for awesome. sure. Awesome. Sam, you got yeah, anything? I do. Um, first off, can Duncan, can we give just like an unbiased prediction of the Bama Georgia game coming up with a scoring? Yeah, play, absolutely. Um, for sure, for sure. I'll give you a few. Um, I'll give you a few pointers. I think that uh, Alabama, first off, is definitely not going to be scoring as much uh, as we just did. Um, Georgia's coming in with, I believe, the number one or number two defense in the entire country. Um, they have been playing lights out. They also have a star safety. That's Richard LeCount. Um, he's by far going to be the best defensive back we go against. And I say that because, um, you know, our, our obviously our wide receivers are one of the strengths of our team. Uh, Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, and uh, uh, John Mechie, the newcomers this year. They have blazing speed, but uh, they're going to be up against a really tough matchup in that Georgia secondary. And at the same time, Georgia's front seven is ridiculously good. Um, Najee Harris, I, I think that he's going to be kind of trimmed back again this week. Um, on, on the flip side, Georgia does not have an incredible offense. Um, Stetson Bennett, that's their quarterback. He's, uh, like I mentioned last week, he's kind of a, he's a wa- former walk-on, kind of a pro-style guy. Um, he doesn't have the West Coast offense kind of feel. That's not what Georgia runs. They're definitely more of a defensive-oriented team. And um, I, I would say, uh, if, I, if I was going to give you a score, I would say Alabama 38, right. Georgia 24. Nice. I like yes, it. Sir. I like it. I like it. And you know what? I, I, I really appreciate you coming on and doing this with us uh, the past two weeks and then, and then moving forward because it's obviously there's so much insight, insight that you give that Sam and I just – we couldn't give when it comes to, to college football because we just – we don't pay attention to it the way that you do. So – um, again, again, from myself and I, I'm sure Sam as well. Like, we really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely, guys. And uh, w- one last thing I wanted to say right before I go. Um, hey, uh, hey, Jason, how are you? Uh, how are you enjoying those uh, oh Bama my. boys in your Oakland Raiders team? <laughs> yeah. 
Josh Jacobs and Henry Ruggs. You hey, you know, them, I'm right? enjoying the Clemson guys, too. <laughs> the uh, Hunter Renfro and uh, Cleveland Fair. We, we, don't, we don't need to talk about that. We, we don't oh, need to talk about man. that. We don't need to talk about hey, that. Hey, you know, it was, uh, it, was, it was a good week to be a Raider fan, I, I got to tell you. It was it was the one game that I was penciling in. Um, and that Actually, I was really penciling in two games this year as the complete losses – uh, of the season, and they were both against Kansas City. And the fact that they did it in Arrowhead just made it that much sweeter. But I'll I'll, I'll get into that later. Uh, but yeah, it was yeah they're they're really helping out. I must say, <laughs> yeah. There was I <laughs> have absolutely gone away from. I have never like bought a Raiders player jersey. I've always been like I always bought like T-shirts that was just said like Raiders, and I was always about the the organization because players move around so much. I would buy a Josh Jacobs jersey. I don't think I've enjoyed watching a player on the Raiders more than I enjoy watching him run. It, every time he touches the ball, it, he's just – he's so fun to watch. And he's – he just – and I mean, you know, because you watched him. He just – if somebody's in front of him, he's either going to uh, juke him with a quick one-two – or he's going to lower his head. The dude never goes backwards unless there are like four people around him. And even then, he still finds a way to push the pile every single time. He's just – he's so fun to watch. Yeah, he's got an incredible story too. I mean, he was a, he was like a three-star out of high school. He didn't have any Division One or at least Power 5 offers. He had a lot of offers from like Tulsa and Memphis and schools like that. Um, and Nick Saban found him, and uh, he found a spot for him in the offense. And, I mean, he was sharing carries with Damian Harris and Bo Scarborough and really good running backs that we've had. And he still – I mean, he cut out – he's just – it's just the type of guy he is. He's just a really nitty-gritty guy. He's not afraid to, to get in there and work. Yeah. And uh, it shows off. I mean, he's, he might have the best career out of uh, all the running backs that we had at the time. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. We'll see. He's got he's, um, he's to go up against Derrick Henry um, for that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. Derek's had a pretty damn good career too. But yeah, I'm really glad he's on our team. Um, well, thanks again, Dom, for coming on the show. I, we we really appreciate it, and I am I'm always going to be looking forward to to listening uh, to what you have to to say about college football at the beginning of these shows. Now, Dom, thank Absolutely, you so much, guys. man. Thank you no much. problem. See you next Talk week. You next week. For sure. See you guys. Yep. I really appreciate uh, him coming on the show. I I, I love all right, guys. Now that the brains have left this show. You just settle <laughs> in and just get this sports talk any way you want it. Mm. <laughs> the, the real the real uh, professionals in quotations are talking. Yeah, now <laughs> now Dom is Dom is so good. Yeah, he's 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 just he he's one of those guys that when he's talked, you know, like. And it's it goes without saying, like when you're talking about something that you're passionate about and you mm-hmm. really study, you come across just sounding super professional, whether you are meaning to or not. It just it just it, it like emanates, right? And Dom happens to be somebody who not only like loves college football, but that's also like what he wants to do. So he's Sounding professional, one, because he is professional, but also just because he just knows his stuff. Um, and that, that's kind of like Josh, um, who we've had on the show a lot. 
um, who I tried to get on this episode uh, to talk about the uh, NBA Finals with us. But instead, he let me pull some quotes from his live stream, which, by the way, you guys can go on YouTube and listen uh, to Josh Carson's live stream. Uh, it's JC3 Josh Carson on YouTube. He's got close to 33,000 subscribers now. He did a live stream right after He did one the after Finals. every game. And he did one after every game, too. That's right. Um, and I was – and they've been – They've been good. I, I really good. I had a chance to listen to about a half an hour of last night's live stream, and it was the stats that he has on on those games are absolutely mind blowing. I don't I don't know how he finds all these stats, but he's just really good at what he does. So if you want a really good in depth NBA coverage on literally anything, just go to Josh's channel. Um, so we've got a lot of different angles that we can go to start this show. We've got basketball to talk about. We got football to talk about and I say start um even though we're 25 minutes in um but which wh- where do you want to go do you want to start with the NBA well, Jason, or do you want to start with the NFL? Be really really poor of us to bury the lead of this show and we got to talk about what we saw last night in the Orlando bubble where it took not one not two not three not four not five but six games for the LA Lakers to capture their 17th franchise title and LeBron James' fourth finals MVP with a fourth championship ring. Mm-hmm. So one of, the, uh, one of my favorite segments that we do on the show is one that we uh, don't do enough, and I'm going to try to uh, bring back as much as I can, is, is called What We Learned. Um, and I have three things this weekend um, that, I mean, that I found this weekend uh, for What We Learned. And two of them have to do with football, but one of them have to do with the NBA um, and the one that I have with the NBA is uh, the Lakers and LeBron. They're starting to form a little mini dynasty, I think. Um, and I only say mini because we don't know what the longevity of LeBron is going to be. Um, I mean, right now he's 1A and Anthony Davis is 1B. But, I mean, you never know. Maybe next year Maybe next year, Anthony Davis becomes 1B. I mean, 1A and LeBron is uh, 1B. I don't know. But as long as those two guys are there in L.A., they're going to be the favorite to win every year. I'll say it right now. They're probably going to win it next year, too. Um, And if LeBron is still playing at the level that he did this year, next year, and the season after, there's no reason to believe they're not going to rattle off two, three in a row. Totally. Uh, Were you waiting for me to talk? Well, I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Anytime you throw in the dynasty – word in the conversation. I think this is a little premature because you could have said that about Toronto last year, right? I think you only could have said that about Toronto if Kawhi but had stayed. Even if you can't just throw the dynasty tag on a team that just won one, right? No, I no, and that's what I'm saying. It is all going to hinge on LeBron and his and his play, really. Because if he, you know, Father Time is undefeated, as we all know. And eventually, it's going to catch up with LeBron. But until it does, whether that be next year, two years from now, three years from now, four years from now, it doesn't matter. Until he starts to dip, they're going to be the favorite uh, to win every still, year. in your eyes, cement himself as the best player in the world? The best player in the world currently? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. The dude... I, I, said, I think I told you this when we spoke after Game 5. I think LeBron played a perfect Game 5. 
Yeah, it was pretty. Imp- <laughs> it was pretty impressive. I'll go ahead and what, pull like up his stats for a second. Eight from three point line. He's never had that good of a shooting night. And they were the time. The timeliness of all those threes were like Miami had just Duncan Robinson had just switched a, a momentum swinging three. Miami looked to go up double digits, and then LeBron right down the court would just drop a bomb from the halfway line, and it was like. LeBron is not letting this team lose tonight. That's just what it felt like all night. The dude cut down his turnovers. He didn't have those silly, dumb turnovers where he's, like, forcing it in. Uh, He got whatever he wanted going to the rim. Like, he was in attack mode all night. And he put the Lakers in position to win with the game-winning three-point shot. You really couldn't have asked more from LeBron James in Game 5. Yeah, so his stats coming out of Game 5 were... 40.7 assists and 13 rebounds. And he just, he got met by a Herculean effort from Jimmy Butler, who happened to have, yeah, who had 35 points, 11 assists, and 12 rebounds. And he also got help. So here's here's an interesting stat from game five. So the Heat only had a seven-man rotation in game five. It was Jimmy, Jay, Bam, Duncan, Tyler, Kendrick, and Andre, right? So it was those seven who played. And I'm calling them all my first names because, you know, we're tight like that. Anyway, um, anyway, out of the seven players that played, six of them six of them had double-digit points. So Kendrick Nunn in 14, Hero had 12, Duncan Robinson had 26, Bam had 13, Jay had 11, and uh, Butler had 35. Iggy. Andre had zero. <laughs> I know. He had two assists, though, and six rebounds. Um, but everybody on that team yeah. was contributing to that game in yep. some way, shape, or form. And you look at the stats from their starters in this game, in game six. Now, Bam had a significantly better game in terms of production. He had 25 points, 10 rebounds, and five assists. But Jake Crowder only had 12 points. Duncan Robinson, who had 26 in the previous game, only had 10. Yep. And Tyler Hero only and had 7. Jimmy had what? Now, Jimmy Butler, yeah, Jimmy was the biggest was the biggest drop in yep. production. He had 12 points, 8 assists, yep. and 7 rebounds. So, so your two biggest contributors, Duncan Robinson and Jimmy Butler, Jimmy is 20 points off of, or actually technically 23 points off of his Game 5 performance, and Duncan Robinson is... 16 points off of his game five performance. So the heat, the heat, I think in, you know, I heard, I heard Josh talk about this on his live stream and he was talking and I heard also heard it this morning on, uh, on ESPN, the Lakers made a lineup change. They decided to start Alex Caruso instead of Dwight Howard. And Josh made an interesting point in the sense that by doing this, what it allowed Anthony Davis to do was guard Bam instead of being switched out onto somebody who's more quick and agile on the three-point line. And that was significant because Anthony Davis was battling a foot injury from last game. Now, he was still out there playing and contributing, 19 points, 15 rebounds, three assists, but it allowed him to sort of hang back in the paint as opposed to almost – acting like a forward on defense. Well, he games, could play more games, I think two through five, they had elected Anthony Davis to guard Jimmy Butler and had LeBron mm-hmm. 
when Bam was healthy, LeBron guarded Bam. Right? So I guess that foot injury definitely uh, contributed to Anthony Davis being pushed back to his normal role of guarding the rim. Um, I just wanted to talk about game five. So I, I mentioned LeBron was perfect. But I don't think if you're a Miami Heat fan, you could have wished for a better performance from your team in its totality. If you're like sitting yeah. there as someone that's, that doesn't have anything to gain or lose from this series, I was just sitting there and was like, wow, both teams are playing so well, but it just felt like Miami was playing so much above themselves to compete in that game. And it seemed like the Lakers were just going as business as usual, that you knew this wasn't sustainable for the rest of the series. And in game six, it really mm-hmm. came to fruition when it just, it just looked like the energy was not there and you could totally understand it. This bubble process has been so long and the heat have had to battle so hard, especially their leader, Jimmy Butler. He had to play uh, every second of game, game five and put up that monster performance where he's just attacking the rim over and over and over again, like it just caught up to them. That's all it was. Um, it was is tough. It was tough watching Game Six because it was by far one of the like least competitive, least uh, entertaining games of the series, which is too bad. Yeah, it was unfortunate that it that it ended that way. Um, but you know, and. I mean, as as a Kings fan, you never like to see your. <laughs> no. I don't even know if I can call it a rivalry per se, but but you never like to, you never want to see a team in your division win the title. But it almost felt like it belonged Definitely. in LA this year, just um, with especially with the you know well not especially solely because of the obviously tragic passing of Kobe Bryant earlier in the year. And in that sense, like, yes, I was rooting for the Heat. But as a Kings fan, the Lakers winning this year, it, it really did. It really yeah. felt right that it was there. Um, and it felt right that the title went to L.A. this year. Now, you almost couldn't have – I don't even want to say that because nobody would write a script in which Kobe Bryant would uh, pass away. But that was the script we were given. So after that, writing the script uh, along the lines of the Lakers winning – uh, the same year uh, felt like a, a perfect ending or a perfect way to sort of honor Kobe in that sense, uh, because it really, it really was such a, such a tragic event that happened at the beginning of this year, especially for not only for his family, but for the NBA community and for just for anybody who watched basketball when Kobe was playing, like Kobe was one of those guys who you just, you just tuned in to watch because He's he capable was, of he was doing just a force. anything on a basketball and, court any given night. Yeah, he's one of the top ten players, I would say, probably of all time. Um, and it's, it, yeah, it, it felt right that the the Lakers ended uh, this season yep. with the title. Um, and, you know, congratulations to the NBA for pulling this off because the fact that they were able to organize this in such a way and honestly, honestly, really, and I'm sure there was a, there's obviously thousands of behind-the-scenes stuff that we're not realizing, but it seemed to go off without a hitch, pretty much. 
to be able to organize this in Orlando the way that they did and to have it work the way that they did and have it work as well as it did, I mean, it it was an accomplishment that is probably the most impressive thing in the history of the NBA, I would say, organizing this bubble as quickly and efficiently as they did. Unenviable situation. No, no doubt. Um, I don't think the NBA is looking at this and saying they want to replace what they had going for the last uh, 50 years with this new model. Um, I don't think the revenue or the ratings that they received for this is going to uh, support that at all. Um, But for this year, uh, I don't think we could have gotten anything better. Yeah, it felt right that the title landed in LA and it, it just, it felt right that we could complete this season um, in, in the way that, in the way that it was it, a slow uh, burner, man. It was. And I agree this with season you. was a long season. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, what's going to be interesting is when the next season is going to start, because this is something that you and I had talked about for a long time before the bubble was it was never going to be about this season. It was going to be what the aftermath of the finals was going to be. How are they right. going to organize the off season? Are they going to just shorten this upcoming season to get it back on track? Or is the basketball season just going to run? I, I don't know. The reason, why, the reason why I don't think that the basketball season is going to now adjust its schedule to run from – I don't know, like February to August or whatever, just hypothetically is because each like the NBA owns Christmas, (laughs) like absolutely owns Christmas. And they'd be losing out on that, which is such a big promotion thing for them. The NFL obviously has Thanksgiving. Um, And I think with basketball going on during the summer, um, it was just one of those big summer things uh, to have basketball going on uh in june and late june and stuff like that and i i am gonna guess that they're gonna shorten this upcoming season and then just get it to back get it back to where the finals are in june and then it's not gonna be next season it's gonna be the season after that where everything's gonna yeah, go back so to it's, normal it's, that would be my we guess. definitely heard uh reports not like like we're specifically researching it but like from from like actual reporters that uh, that the season is looking about like that December January. Um, I actually just was on a a uh, call for school and was talking to a uh, a guy that works for the San Jose Sharks, and he was saying that the word around the NHL, mm-hmm. which the NHL falls around the same time as the NBA. Sorry for that. That's my dumb roommates who are being loud right now uh that they the earliest the (laughs) earliest day that they will start is january 1st so they won't start in 2020 at all so if that's the same thing that the nba is going to do they're losing out on christmas and new year's and that's very big especially if they're trying to like make up ground from losing so much in this season right do you think there's you think there's any any idea that their game one is going to be yeah I think Christmas I'm Day comp- because I think NHL and NBA um, they're just different like just different scopes right so I think the NBA could definitely pull off well, yeah 
even if they had to go to like a bubble for that first game of where they have uh, eight teams show up to that bubble and they plan to have four, or I mean, they probably will have five games. They usually have five games, I think, for Christmas. But if you bring 10, yeah. 10 teams there and you work it to where guys like this is just a one one day thing or like maybe a week before, right, to make sure that everyone's uh, safe and negative and everything. But like you're not going to be stuck here for months. This is just this. And then we're going to start the season from here. I think the the NBA could definitely make that work um, because of just the power that they have and the influence that they have. Yeah, so it'll definitely be interesting to see what they do doing for, do going forward. I wouldn't be surprised if they do start the season Christmas Day. Cause well, it's the, such a we're not, big we're not, thing. We're, um, um, the biggest question mark is the fans, because the NBA will want to push this to where that they then, have yeah. as many fans as arenas as possible. And if it's truly yeah. impossible to have fans for 2020, then I don't know if there's much. But see, here's the thing. It's not, though, because now but we're starting to outdoor, see fans show up at NFL stadiums. Outdoor buildings, like outdoor structures. We're talking about NBA where it's an indoor structure and you've got, like, 17,000 people right next to each other. Well, Dallas has fans, and but Dallas is, is playing in a dome. <laughs> They're backwards. Okay. But... <laughs> I don't know. He really thinks California, which has the Lakers, Clippers, Kings, Warriors. Do you think California is going to let in 2020 fans into closed arenas when stadiums aren't even having fans? And the NBA is going to look at that and be like, like, do we really have a lot to gain from forcing Christmas to happen if there's no fans? Yeah. Yeah, it's like the season's over, but now the next season pretty much begins in the sense that at least for the people who are organizing this upcoming season, because it's like, okay, cool. We got the bubble done. <sighs> Take a quick breath. Right. I don't even think they get Now break. what do we do with the league? The league is just not going to break. <laughs> I would imagine not because it's like, okay. Major obstacle number one done completed. Everybody's good. That this Immediately go to the next, next season. Is by far the biggest challenge because they can't go back to a bubble. There's no way that the players are going to go back to a bubble. There's going to be so, like stars no. holding out of this season if they try to go back. So this is just the real challenge. Yeah. How they're going to do it? I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. So it'll definitely be interesting to see what they do going forward. Just really quickly. Really quickly, because I feel like we could dedicate an entire show to this. In terms of LeBron James, where is he now so in I'm your pantheon the, of NBA uh, players? People are going to roll their eyes, but I think LeBron was the GOAT after he won in 2016. Um, and this just solidifies the fact that he has that innate ability to carry a team to win a championship. We've already known it. Um, I, I more look at it towards, it's tough to say because we're both 21 year olds. So we were not even like alive when Michael Jordan was in his prime. So it's really tough to say, maybe take whatever we say with a grain of salt. But, uh, I think it's fair to say that LeBron is easily the goat of our generation for sure. Um, I agree with that. I don't think it'd be fair 
for us to definitively say that LeBron is better than Michael Jordan. I'm just going to say LeBron is easily in everyone's top 10. He should be in everyone's top five. He's on everyone's Mount Rushmore because of what he's achieved with three different franchises. And uh, like what he's doing for 17 straight years, he's the guy's been able to adapt his game to different play styles that it just shouldn't make sense how good he's been for so long. Right. Um, And, you know, people talk about LeBron and people talk about Michael Jordan as the two best players of all time. And I think the argument is always around that is rings, right? Well, both of those guys don't even have the most rings. Like if you're just talking about the most impressive NBA resume, or probably going to say Bill Russell. Just, it's really unfair that we pulled Kareem, some guys out of the conversation yeah, so, and just put it to Michael and LeBron, but that's more of a testament to how big of figures they are. Right, exactly. Um, so LeBron and MJ don't even have the best NBA or basketball resumes. Um, so it's it's more than that. Um, and my my all time favorite reporter at ESPN, Mike Greenberg, he has his own he has his own podcast. Um, it's just called Greenie, hashtag Greenie. And then he also does Get Up. He was on, he was the host of Mike and Mike for all those years. My favorite on-air uh, radio uh, sports reporter. And he actually covered the Bulls um, during that Michael Jordan era. And he said something to me, not to me. I wish he said it to me. He said something uh, the other day that I think was really interesting. Um, and he was talking about how... <laughs> His quote was, if LeBron, and this is before the finals were over, he was saying, if LeBron wins this title, for me, what it does for his legacy is nothing. And the reason why he was saying that is because for him, in order for LeBron to jump Michael, he's saying LeBron, in his mind, needs one more. One more. Not if five. Fi- not, not six, it. but if he gets five. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. If he gets five, then he would maybe feel comfortable moving LeBron above Michael. And I, it's, it's just, for those people who watched Michael, I think it would, I think it's, it's safe to say that it's really hard for people to say that it's not Michael, you know? And for us, it's one of those things, like you alluded to, we just didn't get to watch Michael. So it's really hard for you know people our age to, to really compare the two. All we really have are numbers. But numbers are not always the biggest factor of everything. Um, so I, I don't know where I would put LeBron. I would definitely – He'd either be one or two for me. I don't know. I don't know where I'd put him. Um, I've always defaulted to MJ, um, but it's it's tough now. And I was also listening to to ESPN, and they were talking about the significance of these titles. Um, and I think the overwhelming majority was saying that the Miami Heat ones are nowhere near as significant really? as this Lakers one. But the Cleve, but the, yeah. Just, just because the Lakers won um, in the way that he did it um, with – well, somebody made the argument that LeBron left 
to go to Miami to team up with an already very good uh, Miami Heat team with Wade and Bosch. Um, so he was already leading like a team of, of superstars in that sense. And then the Lakers one was he sort of, he kind of formed the team in LA and went through this growing pain and then eventually did it. And he did it in the bubble. And then the Cleveland one was the most, was the hardest one. And the one that probably means the most. Um, so I, I, would I thought that was an interesting, interesting argument. As the um, most significant, just because of all the, like he went back home. It, they came back from three, one against one of the best teams we've ever seen. Um, I would, I wouldn't diminish the Miami ones because you have to put, I think we're, we're looking at those with lenses of 2020, right? Like put yourself back to when LeBron hadn't won anything. Like those are super significant. And just the fact that he's teaching himself or learning from Dwayne Wade, how to win. And the fact that they beat a really good Thunder team and beat a great San Antonio team too. And he was the catalyst for both those wins. Yeah. Um, this one, definitely, I, I put this one even with those rings just because he went through the West. This is something he's never done before. And if you really want to sit here and say that he built the Lakers, I mean, this was his second year in the Lakers, and he got gifted a top five talent in Anthony Davis. So I don't, I don't get the level of difficulty as an argument, but I think it's just – it the road to get well the significance more than the difficulty i i haven't really felt the significance of it it feels like this is just like was already penciled in to happen so it's like people are d- diminishing the feat because it's like, oh my god they play they got to play miami in the finals like they were obviously the better team they got they earned that opportunity by beating portland trailblazers who were the who were in the Western Conference Finals last season, Houston Rockets, who are a preliminary great contender in the West, the Denver Nuggets, who we saw just run roughshod over teams in this playoffs, and they they thoroughly dominated yeah. them. Yeah, and let's not get it twisted. The Miami Heat are a phenomenal basketball team. Um, they took them to six games, which... Nobody had done this season to the Lakers. Just saying. Nobody had taken the Lakers to game six, and they did. Um, and last thing I'll say about this, and Josh said it first. He said it on the live stream. He said, and I quote, there is no asterisk, and I quote, for this NBA title. And I agree with him. Just because the title was in the bubble, it doesn't make it any more or less significant. I think, I think that people are going to put an asterisk next to this uh, title just in the sense that, yes, it was the bubble season, but what I hope is that if that asterisk for, is there for people, it's not there for me, but if it is there for people, that that doesn't diminish this title in any way, shape, or form because it was just as hard and literally the exact yeah, same wanna, as a regular NBA say that so. it was easier because they didn't have to travel um they were put up in hotels and there was no home court advantage well you could also and they got a break in between the year which was um a factor but at the same time you're stuck in like a fancy prison for an amount of time and people would go mad 
in that situation for like two or three months that you're stuck there and you're just working nonstop on your craft. Yeah, and it was the same for everybody. So it's not like the Lakers got to go home while everybody else stayed. They stayed there too. So, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Anyway, congratulations to the Los Angeles Lakers and their 17th NBA title. And for all the players out there uh, who who were on the Lakers and got their first ring, uh, I'm sure that's an absolutely wonderful feeling. Um, You'll get there. One that I'll never get to know. Anyway, um, well, the only way I'll get there is if the Kings get there. And the Kings right now don't look like they're going to do anything for a while. So, anywho, there was more sports that happened this weekend, which we have to get to. Because there were a lot of significant things that happened this weekend in the NFL. So, quick recap. Bucks bears Bears beat the Bucs 20-19. I don't think anybody saw that coming. Texans beat the Jaguars after they fired their head coach. And, uh, their head coach. Who's oh, their new head coach? coach? No. Oh. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's, is it Cromarty? No. What's his name? Just look at Texans. What is his coach? name? <sighs> yeah, but he's the oldest. Um, Romeo Cornell. There it is. Romeo Cornell. Oldest. Oldest coach to get a win in NFL history, by the way. I think he's 73. <laughs> 73. Ravens beat the Bengals 27-3. Panthers beat the Falcons 23-16. Cardinals beat the Jets 30-10. The Raiders beat the Chiefs 40-23. Get to that later. Steelers beat the Eagles 38-29. Rams beat Washington 30-10. Cowboys beat the Giants 37 37- 34, but there yeah. was obviously stuff that happened in that game, which we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. The uh, Dolphins beat the 49ers, 43-17. Um, the Browns beat the Colts, 32-23. to The Seahawks barely beat the Vikings, 27-26. to And then we have two games. Uh, one that's happening tonight as the recording of this podcast, which is the Saints and the Chargers. And then tomorrow, which will be today when you're listening to this, if you listen to it on Tuesday, the Bills and the Titans. Um, so two, uh, the two other things that I had bookmarked for what we learned uh, were this. Uh, Alex Smith is the comeback player of the year, regardless of what he does for the rest of the season. Uh, and 2018, when he got hurt against the Houston Texans, he had a spiral and compound fracture of his right tibia wow. and fibula, and he's had 17 surgeries since. And he stepped onto the field and actually played a game after all of that. So to me, literally nothing else could happen in terms of comeback players of the year because Alex Smith should already be bookmarked as the comeback player of the year. And there's going to be nothing anybody can do Uh, to convince me otherwise. So many bad 49ers teams and he finally got an opportunity to win with the Niners and he totally shined for Jim Harbaugh. And uh, the dude just been through so much, losing his jobs to Colin Kaepernick and Patrick Mahomes. And it's just he's balanced around the league. And then that thing with Washington, yeah. it was finally like he got an opportunity to lead a team for all his. And he gets that just awful injury. I, I didn't realize that it was, it was two years mm-hmm. since he had played. I thought it happened last year. 
it was so cool to yeah, see like 20, his whole family there to see him play. That was it. It warmed my heart when they when they panned up to see them. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun uh, to be able to to be able to see uh, just the emotion on his uh, on his family's uh, face. It was they, they all share a face on their faces, I should say. Um, yeah, just one. It just says Smith across everybody's forehead. Do you take anything uh, from Tampa <laughs> losing to Chicago? Um, uh, do I take anything from Tampa losing to Chicago? I still think um, Tampa's no, still a better team. Not really. Um, I, I do think Tampa is a better team. I think they're only going to get better throughout the year. And their past Chicago, showed up. I mean, Clint, your boy, four and one. Mack, he finally showed up so, in the Bears this season. Yeah, he did. Um, where's his? He had two sacks in that game. Two sacks, which is should be a normal game for him, you'd think. Mm, not sure. Not sure. I don't know what's going on with uh, with Google it's like right behind. now. But I'm trying to look up all these stats for these games. I know uh, it's behind. Cardinals so we're going to be operating with just from what we saw this weekend. Steelers so. beat Philly, and Philly put up a really good fight. But the Steelers look look legit. Oh yeah, gosh. and their uh, their rookie Claypool, <laughs> four touchdowns. <laughs> Whoever, no whoever had him on like fantasy, I, I mean, my team. goodness. Um, I know, and it was just so. Uh, are the I, Pittsburgh I Steelers the best team right in that now. division? Um, but they're definitely making the playoffs. I'll give you that. Oh, I think they are too. And now you and now you have a division right now with the Ravens who are four and one, 4-0. the Browns who are four and one, and the Steelers. Great division. Who are four and zero? So, record wise, yeah, record wise, they're the best division in football right now. Um, and even the Bengals, like I understand that their record's not very good, and they got absolutely whacked by the Ravens. But I think just most teams are going to get whacked by the Ravens. The Bengals. What you can say about the Bengals is that they have their quarterback in the future. They're getting better. So They're better than last. The Bengals year. are in a good spot in that sense. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, Panthers beat the Falcons and yeah. uh, Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn is fired. He is out as the Carolina coach really of the Atlanta Falcons. Too, and I think we all uh, knew that was coming. It. Yeah, they really they looked actually really impressive. Yeah, so it was twenty to seven in halftime, twenty to seven in halftime, and then you know, so it really was never close. They poured on seventeen points in the second quarter, and your boy Mike Davis. I mean, they're really not missing Christian McCaffrey yeah. right now. As weird yeah, as it I, is to say, Mike Davis just solid bet. That's all it is. Rams beat Washington. That's pretty. Yeah. We already talked um, about the Alex Smith. Uh, it's interesting that Kyle Allen no started surprise. that game over Dwayne Haskins. So I guess Haskins done. Yeah. Um, and what'll be – yeah, I guess for now. Because yeah, Smith Dwayne was – act- because Smith came into that game as the number two. Yeah. So I want – what's going to be interesting is to see what they do with Haskins going forward. Now, I feel like we obviously have to talk about the Raiders, Chiefs, and the yeah. Dolphins, Niners just because those are – 
our two teams. But honestly, there were three games that were really interesting for a lot of different reasons. So, and that was the Giants, Cowboys, Colts, Browns, and Vikings, Seahawks. Um, I say the least interesting of those three were the Colts and the Browns. Other than the fact that the Browns are now four and one, and they beat a very good Indianapolis Colts team, and the Colts, the Colts, the Colts yeah. are a championship team minus their quarterback. Philip Rivers is holding them holding them back right now. Um, no, that, it's not. And I heard this this morning too um, about how just their defense, their defense is phenomenal. Their run game. Great. They have an amazing offensive line. Philip Rivers is just, he does not value. I really don't feel like the that's football fair. In the way that you'd want to right now. He's turning the ball over that. I just don't think. Well, the, I mean, obviously, um, he arm, doesn't want to turn the ball there over. there from years but, ago that he can make some of the throws that he's trying to make, right? He's, he is a risk taker for sure. And I think then the uh, capability and ability gets in there, and sometimes he can't make some of the throws he's trying to make. Oh, that's, well, and that's, that's what I'm saying. He should realize that, you'd think. Know their limitations. When have we ever seen an athlete adapt to their limitations? Well, let's let's look at Drew Brees right now. Drew Brees is made a career on launching the ball down the field. Now he picks you apart with his little uh, just kind of dink and dunk throws. But, you know, this year, but they are this year he hasn't two. done that. Now, granted, Michael Thomas has not been there because he's been hurt. But they are two and two, but Drew's not, not really turning the ball winning, over that much. I would say, I think his he's not his the reason they're winning, but he's adapting. Is one of the reasons why the Saints aren't as dominant as they were last year. I would agree with that, but also he's also seems like he's adapting to what he's got right now. And I think he's realizing that he can't just sling the ball I, down. I don't think Philip and he's is not. either. I think Philip puts. Um, I think when the games get tight, he's the one that's trying to be there to make the big play, right? And I don't. I think that's a quality that you like in a quarterback and a leader of your team. But I think it's also something that's going to get them in trouble. Right. So. He, right now, is holding them back. Do you think Jacoby Brissett would have won them that game? I don't know. That's what I'm saying. So it's going to be an interesting – what I'm saying is it's going to be interesting to see what the Colts do going forward. I think he is Because they have on paper a very good team. For that team. You know, so I I heard an interesting, like, hypothetical this morning. And I don't know if it's going to happen or not, but I was listening to ESPN and somebody suggested, well, hey, you know, what if the Colts Would that be better? traded for Sam Darnold and then got and then got Sam Darnold to a Colts team, oh, developed okay. him, and in then a in a year, year or two, we're talking about teams see where they're changing at. completely in a year or two. So we don't even know if they have that talent that they have now for until Sam Darnold. And we don't even know what Sam Darnold's going to be. Is well, Sam that's what Darnold I'm saying, but he's not in a place where he can really develop. Point? I don't know. I'm just going off of what we've seen. Like you said, we don't know what Sam Darnold is, but but 
I don't, and like I'm saying, I don't know if it's a better idea. I don't know if it's going to happen. It's just something that I heard this morning, and it was an interesting little tidbit. I hear, um, uh, I hear Kaepernick's. A little interesting little suggestion. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> Do you think the Browns are? Yeah, he is. Cold? Hear that all the time. <laughs> um, Oof. Yes, I do. I do. Um, oh, for sure. At least I think their, their offense, offense is rolling. better than the Colts. Is offense? I don't know about their defense. And I think I think the Colts' defense is. So I think I think the Browns' offense is good enough to compensate for their defense, even though their defense, like they have a bunch of names on their defense. Miles Garrett's playing they like have, defensive player um, of the year. Miles Garrett and stuff. But let's look back at. Yeah, yeah, but the rest of their the rest of their defense not so much. So they gave up thirty to the Bengals, twenty to right. Washington, thirty eight to Dallas, and twenty three right. to the Colts. So they're giving up they're giving up points. The thing about the Browns mm-hmm. is that their offense right now is good enough to compensate for their defense. And I think the Colts they have a really good defense, but I don't know if their right. defense right now is good enough to compensate for their offense. Um, so if the Colts catch up, if their offense catches up. Then I would say that the Colts are better. Colts but as it stands are, right now, no, I don't think the Colts are better. When we look back, I think we're going to say the Colts are better because the variation in performances for the Colts is so much lower than the very variability of the Browns. I mean, they're in a one possession game against Cincinnati. Yes, and then the next week they can go out and beat up on the Colts. It's like there's no really rhyme or reason in what's happening, you know. Oh, and they got they got destroyed by Baltimore. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, what Browns team is going to show up every week? I think that just comfort wise, I think the Colts are going to be better this season. Well, we'll have a, they'll have a very good test the next Colts week to prove it because they play the Steelers. That's going to be a good game. Um, the Browns. Yeah. Um, so. The other thing that I had for what we learned, and we'll just quickly go through this game, um, you can win a game without converting the third down because the Seahawks were over seven on third downs and they still found a way to beat the Vikings. That was such a good game last night between the Vikings and the Seahawks. Um, I don't have much to say on that game other than yeah, Russell just Wilson Russell Wilson is, right now is uh, the best quarterback up some in the league. Deficiencies for the Seattle team. Can we say that? <laughs> Defense. Some, how about a lot? Struggling. <laughs> I think it's safe to say this year it's definitely not what it's been. And they're getting bailed out a little bit by Russ. And, and this O-line, too. Their O-line was getting destroyed yeah, last and... night, at least in the first half. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I Like I said, I don't have much to say about that game other than Russell Wilson is just the current MVP and – He's just he's playing lights out. They scored twenty one yeah, points in one minute and fifty three seconds in that I third quarter. That, that turned that on um, after half. Yeah, it was insane. Wait, how is this? How yeah. is this a game right now? I I made the joke that Dalvin Cook went into the locker room. Seattle had scored, <laughs> and then five minutes later, he came out and went, "Oh, guys, hey, Coach, do you need me to run the game?" <laughs> oh, what oh, happened? Uh, oops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, oh, I'm back, guys. I'm back. Uh, Indeed. Okay. <laughs> um, so, 
The other significant game before we get to the Niners and the Dolphins and the Raiders and the Chiefs is obviously the Dak Prescott injury with the Dallas Cowboys. Dak Prescott has a compound fracture in his ankle, I believe is what it was. And if you watch that uh, injury, it was just, oh, it was hard to watch. (laughs) Man, it really was hard to watch. And, and I I mean, you feel so bad for Dak um, as he's getting, you know, picked up, carted off. He's got, he's crying and all this emotion, all the players come over. Looking at the Dallas sideline and looking at their team, you could see visibly how much Dak meant to every single player on that team because everybody yeah, that looked like they had the life sucked out of them. After that big, like, awful injury and managed to win this game. That's kind of surprising. Yeah. Now, there was you somebody just, like, who was on ESPN this morning on, ESPN on uh, Greeny show. Um, it was a... No, so what I'll do is when I go okay. work out, I have you, like, the podcast playing. So that's how I get times. some information from. <laughs> I know, and because they have really relevant information that we need. <laughs> um, they have the benefit of recording in the morning and being professionals. Um, but there was a doctor that came on uh, this yeah. morning uh, specifically talking about Dak's injury and about his long-term health. And he was saying that based on the injury and whatnot, right. he Is should be like back by next months? spring fully healthy. So it's, it's four just, to six months. Another, yeah, that was the time. One of the biggest so. offseason uh, like storylines was, is Dak going to get this deal? And he gets that, that franchise tag because Dallas is so hell-bent yeah. on not committing to Dak Prescott in the long term. And he is the one that has the most to lose from an awful injury like this. And that's what happens, especially after he's leading the league in passing yards. And yeah, yeah, it it wasn't turning into points, but Dak was going to have the numbers to argue for a big contract. Yeah. So, yeah, I I don't know what they're going to do next season. And all I can hope, for is that Dak, and all I yeah. say we all can hope for is that Dak's just going to be fully healthy. Well, um, I hope he gets in four to six months because that was a and has the opportunity injury. to show teams that he is like worth it. You know, it would be awful if this was the result of yeah. Dak Prescott for sure. becoming a backup quarterback that is not being paid. Like to go from thirty-five million dollars a year on the table to and... ten million a year. You know, that's just awful. Yeah. And and speaking of backup Rocket, quarterbacks, baby. as a franchise, you could do a lot worse than Andy Dalton. Um, yeah. So don't expect the Cowboys to feel like they're out of this nah, season. No, they're out of this year. Um, because Andy Dalton has won a lot of games in the NFL. Um, and it, Dude. I don't know if they're they out the of this season. The Eagles are bad. The Eagles are Eagles winning are this bad. division, hands down. Probably with seven and nine record. <laughs> well we'll see at the end of the year so what do you want to talk about first real quick because we do have other stuff uh, let's we talk about the losers i mean the niners you want to talk um, about the raiders first and the niners first. Uh, just get it out of the way uh defense awful i don't okay. know who brian allen is but he was getting picked apart in this first quarter <laughs> every time a deep ball was thrown it was to brian allen's side poor Poor kid, man, to have that as your introduction to the league and put that tape out there. He might be unemployed. Uh, offense looked awful. Uh, they this 
this is the big thing going in that this is the first time that all these like uh, different tools and different weapons were on the same field the George Kittle, Debo, Brandon Ayuk, Jimmy G, Raheem, all these pieces. And it really looked like they had never played together before because <laughs> nothing was working. Uh, Raheem Mostert actually looked really good, yeah. looked completely healthy. Uh, it was getting big yardage, but because they were down – 21 to 7, 14 zip because of the defense. Uh, They were forced to pass, and it looked like Jimmy G was not completely healthy, or if he was completely healthy, didn't have any sort of confidence in this game because he was throwing easy passes low. Um, They weren't converting Mm -hmm. on third down. And then once it got to like awful points where they're down uh, like 26 to 7, probably, and their defense is holding. Miami to field goals. Um, Jimmy G's just throwing. First off, the first interception was awful decision into second coverage, into uh, two two person coverage on Jarek McKinnon. Uh, that was on him. The second one, good decision because I think Debo's open on that ball, but for some reason that ball just sails five yards past on Jimmy G, and it just looks awful, resulting in. Jimmy G benching and pretty much the end of the game and the end of my hopes as a Niner fan for them to be any sort of a contender this year. Yeah, I mean every team every seems like every year one team gets the injury bug and just gets totally derailed. Their season gets for derailed and it just sort of feels like that's where you guys are at right this now. hard is amazing. We're down to third string cornerbacks starting this game. And good on Miami's coaching staff yeah. and their offensive coordinators for recognizing that because their game plan in this game was phenomenal. So I like what Miami's doing after this game. Yeah. I think there's a lot to like about Miami after this game. Uh, their weapons looked great. Uh, Devontae Parker stud. I wish he was on the Niners. That would be awesome. Uh, but when Tua gets fully healthy and in this offense, they should be, he should be in the right hands. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. Yeah, that was that was just I kept I mean, I was texting you during the game, obviously, and I was like, Oh yeah, well, I mean, they're playing the Dolphins. They'll they'll find a way to bounce back. I mean it's the forty ers Come on, you guys got I mean, you're the forty ers And then I just kept looking at the score and it was like, Okay, when are they gonna make their and, push? Okay. Yeah, I mean Okay, well okay, well I get Jimmy <laughs> sidelines to start the game. My hands were in my face the entire game. I was just face palming at everything I was watching. It was probably the worst yeah. Sunday I've experienced as a 49 fan with combined expectations heading to the game and then performance as the result. It was just awful. I can't wait to uh, go to the go play the Rams and get absolutely destroyed because the Rams are a legitimate team um, and they're not the Dolphins. So that should be awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, and you know what? I was expecting I was expecting the same thing for the Raiders. I was expecting my hands to be in my face the entire game, um, and my goodness, what a surprise it was! Um, and I, I won't. I'll try not to be super long on this, um, but you know, for everybody, there were a couple things coming out of that game. Um, one was. 
for everybody who was sending me texts on draft day and saying, why in the world did the Raiders draft Henry Ruggs? There were better wide receivers um, available, all this, all that, about why they drafted Ruggs, why they did this, why they did that. My answer to them every single time was, look, the Raiders drafted Ruggs because of one thing, and that was his speed. They needed a deep threat. They didn't have a deep threat. They have a slot receiver. They have a tight end. They had a number two wide receiver coming into the start of the season with Tyrell Williams. Obviously, he got hurt. So they've turned in Nelson Aguilar, Zay Jones, and uh, Edwards. So they needed a deep threat. They needed a deep threat. Tyreek Hill, but yeah. They they needed their Kareem Hunt is really what they needed. And, well, yeah. Well, they needed their Kareem Hunt. They got Josh Jacobs. But, you know, they needed their Tyreek Hill. I I think Um, I messed up the train because I was confused of what you were trying to say. Because you were talking about Henry Ruggs, (laughs) and then all of a sudden you said. Yeah, I I, I said that. I accidentally said Hunt. You were right. I should have said Hill. Sorry, but this is a good, this is a big day for you. I. Right, but that usually happens. <laughs> anyway, they drafted Ruggs because they needed a deep threat, and Ruggs came out there and did exactly that. He had a huge bomb uh, right at the beginning of the game, and then he had a gigantic, even bigger play for a touchdown uh, later on in the game just because he burned the corner. Um, and like I was saying earlier in the season, like I had somebody tell me that Ruggs was a bust, and I was like, Ruggs is – not a bust. And just because you don't get the ball thrown to you um, that much doesn't mean you're not making defense prepare for you. Because regardless of if Ruggs is being thrown the ball, because he's so fast and because he's that deep threat, he's going to keep the safeties honest and he's going to keep corners honest. So he's going to drag everybody with him, which is going to open up stuff underneath for everybody else. Um, so like I said, the Raiders drafted what they needed and it looks like so far – they got exactly what they wanted. Um, this game makes the Buffalo game hurt even more because I truly do believe the Raiders could have won that Buffalo game had they not turned the ball over. They lost um, They lost the turnover battle, battle against Buffalo, and they were even this week against Kansas City, right? They actually got a turnover, <laughs> which was uh, – and it came – it was a really timely turnover too. Um, so the turnover battle, them not losing it, was a huge reason as to why they won. And I would say the biggest reason why they won this game, and it wasn't, it wasn't their offensive line who was just getting a lot of push for, for Jacobs um, and our three-headed running back trio that we were throwing out there with Booker and Richard. Um, our defensive line got a push. Our defensive line was in Mahomes' face for the entire game. I'm looking at my dad during the game. He turns to me <laughs> in the third quarter and he literally looks at me and goes, where was this? And like in a high pitched voice, like what he looked at me, he's like, dude, what is going on? I was like, I have no idea, but they were in his face the entire game. And I think Max Crosby now has 15 sacks in 20 games. I think was the stat, which is a Raiders record. Um, Finally. So even though, and Cleveland Furl was having a really good game too. Um, Finally, yeah. Um, so those two were doing really well, and they were just chasing Mahomes around everywhere, which was so nice to see. Um, and Derek was aggressive. Derek was aggressive. Derek was what everybody's been wanting him to do, which was a quarterback who um, doesn't shrink in the pocket. Like, I understand the couple criticism, criticisms of Derek 
uh, not wanting to throw the ball downfield, or it seems not wanting to throw the ball downfield, and then sort of being tippy-toe in the pocket. And he was none of those things yesterday. He was running around a lot. He didn't go down. Um, he didn't really throw the ball away until like a very, very last second. He was extending plays, and he was throwing the ball deep downfield, which was nice. Um, and the thing that stinks is I really <laughs> – my dad said at first, he was like, man, I really wish I could enjoy this game more. But even when we were up by 16 points, he was like, this is really set up perfectly for us to lose in overtime. Um, uh, because you just knew that the Chiefs were going to score again, and they did. Um, and then thankfully, thankfully, the defense in the second half played so, so well. Um, and maybe that's a product of the Chiefs not being totally in sync on offense. I don't know. I don't care. Um and the thing that this does for a Raider fan, which is so sad and so sad, is you look at our schedule and you go, is there a team on our schedule that, like, the Raiders couldn't beat now? Or was this a fluke game, you know? You don't really know yet. Um, they beat the Saints, they beat the Chiefs, and they damn near should have beat the Bills, minus their um, two turnovers. Right. So maybe, they sh- maybe, maybe that's the wrong way to say it. They could have beaten the Bills. Um, so now you have the Bucks. So now you have a bye to get healthy, and then you play the Bucks. And you kind of look at the rest of their schedule, and you go, this Chiefs game away was their hardest game this year. It was their hardest Falcons, game. Like, there's some teams Jets. in their back half of their schedule. The Browns, oh, the yeah. Chargers, hey, the Broncos, the, the Falcons, Jets, the <laughs> Dolphins, Colts. I know, seriously. <laughs> um... But look, they played the Chargers twice. They played the Broncos twice. They play the Jets, the Browns, and like I said, the Dolphins. And they play the Colts, who I think they can beat. They play the Chiefs again. But, like, could the Raiders make a push? I don't know. Maybe. Let's see what they do against the Bucs. Um, because, like I said, if they, I said this at the beginning. If they came out of the, these first six games with a 3-3 three and three record at minimum, they'd be setting themselves up really well. Um, and if they beat the Bucks and they end up four and two, then then it'll be interesting First to see uh, what win. everybody starts to say about about great, the Raiders. Great, great win. Um, but I am very hesitant to proclaim the Raiders as a legit team because we saw this with the Saints win. The I'm not Saints proclaiming them as a legit win over a good team. And then they went out had a dud against New England. It was. Yeah, which uh, yeah, and, and this game against the Chiefs well, makes that Patriots pan- makes that Patriots that. one look worse. The Patriots could have beaten Kansas City if they had Cam, potentially. That's true. And then they lose to the Bills, which is no that's nothing bad, but it's just yeah. a loss, right? And they didn't play up to what we saw mm-hmm. against the world. It's just really weird yeah. that their offense is like it comes all at once Ooh. and then it doesn't Come like it's it's like the water flows all at once, and then five minutes later it just comes out at like seventy five percent, and then fifty percent, and then all at once, and then seventy five percent, and fifty percent. It's like they never get that ninety, then eighty five, then ninety, right? Yeah. So they've scored thirty or more uh, right. points in three of their five games, and the other two was twenty and twenty three. Um, so it's not like their offense can't produce, um, their offense can produce, uh, well, and you know what? I think I said it last week, either to you on the podcast or off the podcast. 
Well, I said it to somebody this week. The Raiders, <laughs> when their offense the is playing yesterday. really well, their defense is not. And when their defense is playing really well, yeah, their offense is not. And yesterday, in the second half, in the second half, they both meshed. And their offense played well, and their defense played well. Um, they scored 16 points in the uh, second half, which, granted, was not the 24 they put up um, in the first half, but they held the Chiefs to eight points in the second half. So their offense, in, I mean, essentially, scored two touchdowns and two two-point conversions, and the Chiefs did half of that. So they finally had a half where they put it all together, and they looked really good. Um, so it'll just you be interesting to see if that's something that they can maintain going forward. Um, so, yeah, so that's what I'm saying. These next, these next two games that they have, the Bucks, yeah. the Bucks, I think, are kind of sitting in a similar spot to the Raiders in the sense that, like, like they're good, but are they – like, are they really good or are they really not? I don't know. The Bucks have a much better defense than the Raiders, but I think the Raiders have a better, at least up to this point, have a better offense than the Bucks. And then the Browns, well, still, like the Browns, we'll, we'll see. You don't, know, you don't know which Browns team you're going to get each week. So the next two weeks are going to be really interesting for the Raiders. This is like, like prove-it games for them. Um, like, show that you're, that you're a team that, yes, should have beat the Saints. And, yes – should like show can compete with the Chiefs man. and at is. the end pull out a little pull out a win. It's right there for them. Yeah, but they can't have yeah dumb so. like the Buffalo. It really is. I don't know. It if really it's a dumb is. Loss, so. but they really didn't play up to the standards that I think we kind of have for them now. Yeah. Yeah. So, we'll see. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed for the Raiders going forward, at least for I me. Think you won this week. Um, so, in terms of our picks, um, I won last week. Uh, that's not – well, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, I won this week. Um, so, I had um, – what was it? You took – I'm looking back at it right now. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. I took the Browns. You took the Colts. And then at the very end, I flipped and I took the Panthers over the Falcons. Um, so you picked the um, Chargers tonight, but that's not going to matter because I already won two. So uh, I am now up three to two. So let's get this going with this upcoming oh, week. Jesus. Thursday night game, the Chiefs and the Bills. The Chiefs and the Bills, which, by the way, which, by the way, probably won't get played. I'm just saying that right now because the Bills in so Tennessee play um, – to, uh, Tuesday, so so I'm assuming that they're going to move this game, even though it no. is on the docket. So maybe or we should hold back on this one, um, because no, no, they're not going to play because Thursday there's no way that the Bills are going to play on Tuesday and then happening. Thursday. Mm, well, yeah, but we can save that for when Monday. it actually happens. Well, that's what I'm saying. I don't. I don't think. Um, I don't think because there was a lot of um, there was a lot of um, change up this week in terms of scheduling because of COVID. I don't six. think this game is being played. I think it oh, got moved. Okay. Well, um, I mean, let's just pick it to be yes. safe. I guess. 
Okay, okay. pick it to be safe. Um. Oh yeah, it looks. No, here, look. It it looks right. Yeah, it looks like the Chiefs in this Bills game got rescheduled right, for Monday the nineteenth. Monday oh, the nineteenth. So it'll still be a Week Six game, but it got pushed um, go to Monday. Chiefs. So there you go. All right. So Chiefs Bills. It is. Uh, it's in Buffalo, but I don't. Uh, I'll take the Chiefs Ooh. as well. That's going to be a really interesting game. Guess, uh, Texans, Titans, Titans. You don't really know what the Titans are, but they haven't played in so long. Uh, I'm going to say Titans. I know. I'll take the Titans too, yeah. but if we need to play ball flip on that one. Um, Ravens over the yeah. Eagles. Uh, Vikings over the Falcons. Yes. I'll take the Steelers over the Browns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, take the Colts over the Bengals. Um, I'll take the Jags. Give me the Lions over the Jaguars. Minshew. Mania. All right. <laughs> I'm going to take the Bears. Um, Panthers and Bears. Ooh, that's a really interesting game. I think I've taken the Bears every single week. I'll take the Maybe Panthers. Maybe not last week. Sorry, Jenna. But not. I think. Mm, I think Jenna, too. <laughs> Washington. Um, you know, Giants yeah, and Washington. Washington. <laughs> <laughs> really? Washington's defense is sneaky good. Uh, I'll take the Giants just to be fun. Like, actually legit good. Oh, crap. You're right. <laughs> You're right. Shoot. Okay. You, yeah, that's all. right. I totally <laughs> forgot about that. Um, but oh, but their offense is not. Um, They're they play hard. Uh, and the Giants play hard. They're just bad. Um, yeah, I'll take Washington. Yeah, fine. I'll take Washington. The Jets and the Chargers. Bro, I Jimmy know the Herbert. Dolphins. Are gonna play um, the so Dolphins and the Broncos poorly in this game. I just know it. D- Denver's gonna like beat them. Thirty to ten, Fitzmagic <laughs> is going to have like three interceptions, and I'm going to be punching myself in the face. Denver. <laughs> so who are you going to take? Packers. I'll take Denver only because it's yeah. at home. Um, the Packers and the Bucks. I'll Let's take go, the baby. Packers Let's over the faithful. Bucks. I'll take the Rams over the Forty Nine ers Dolphins by an astronomical amount and beat the Rams. That's how we do it. <laughs> Cardinals. That game would have All been right. more interesting. Cardinals and the Cowboys. Zach was playing. I think, we, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. I'll Rams, take the Cardinals too. So we're at three games. Um, that's it. Panthers and then the Lions right. one. So we're at three. So those are our picks. Those are our picks for this weekend. Um, Since, oh, by the yeah. way, I mentioned our earlier baseball sta- our earlier baseball trivia. Um, so to just to recap, uh, the first second baseman in the history of the National League to win the MVP in a back-to-back year from Cincinnati. It is oh my God, Joe I was Morgan, Smith, but he was the Joe Morgan for Cincinnati. Yes, I, oh, that pisses me off. Yeah, so. 
that's awful. So Joe Morgan, who unfortunately just passed away yesterday, I was wondering because like, October 11th. So that is why I am doing that some stats on Joe a Morgan. Baseman win the NL MVP this year, but isn't it? Um, I don't even know if they've announced the MVP. No. Yeah, so Joe, so Joe Morgan won in 1975 and then 1976. He's also a Hall of Famer. I believe he was the second um, shortstop to be inducted in the Hall of Fame. The first one was Jackie Robinson. Um, he won a bunch, a bunch of titles. I think he won. I know he won two uh, MLB championships. I think he won more than that. He was in the All Star game. I think ten times. Uh, he had a career hitting average of 2.71, 268 home runs, 1,133 RBIs, 1,650 runs scored, 689 stolen bases, which is 11th most in baseball history. Um, he was he was a phenomenal player. He was a phenomenal baseball player, from what I've heard. I never got to watch him, um, obviously. And I've only just learned about him really um, well, yesterday and today. The, um, but from what I could tell, he was an absolute force uh, in the history, MLB. Right? The big red machine. Yeah. Yeah. And apparently he had one of the most um, like famous swings too, like – um, just when he was standing in the uh, the batter's box, he had this like motion that he did right before each swing that just kind of looked like he was winding up in a way that that like nobody else had done before. Um, so apparently his swing was uh, um, pretty. Oh yeah, so I just watched it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> that's really interesting. <laughs> um, but yeah, he was. He was an absolutely beloved well, player, from what I've heard, and uh, obviously, uh, condolences to to his family. Uh, let's see. He was seventy seven years old. Seventy seven years Part old. Part of baseball so, history, right there. Hall of Fame inductee in nineteen ninety. So, absolutely. So there is your. Trivia, and I'm I'm happy with how that turned out. I enjoyed looking up uh, some some trivia stats, um, so I hope you guys did too as well. Um, sort of to recap the show, Lakers, your NBA title um, belongs in LA. I think this year is is what everybody was saying. It felt right that the title went to LA to honor Kobe. Dak Prescott got injured. Like seriously injured, big compound fracture in his ankle. Hopefully, a speedy I sec- recovery. I that. Um, and the Raiders are the best team in the NFL. Niner- Niners that. are uh, tanking for Trevor. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I was about to say the same thing. Can you imagine thing. Trevor Lawrence on the. Niners, oh, man. Though. We've been doing this show too long together. We just know. Woo! I've, I hate myself no. because. Well, no, that I was <laughs> well today. I had the thought creep into my head that maybe they should look for a different quarterback, and I just feel like I've cheated on Jimmy G. I, I just feel like it's a dirty, dirty thought. I feel so guilty for thinking of it. <laughs> I hate myself. Right. <laughs> uh, well, with that, we'll end the show. <laughs>
Uh, thank you all so much for tuning in. Uh, it's been an absolute blast as always. Thanks again to Dom for coming on the show. You'll be hearing more and more of him coming up. He did absolutely phenomenal in his, I guess, debut sort of because no, last because last week was like a that's guest appearance and now it was like more of a, a death thing. <laughs> so. See, that's what this show is, man. It's Your not dumb. <laughs> it's not dumb. Uh, you had an awful show today, Jason. I, you know, yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, I guess. And I do think that 49ers <sighs> should give up on Jimmy G. He's a, he's Thanks a worse version of Alex Smith. Um, I'm going to go <laughs> take a bath and not come up out of the water. <laughs> <laughs> Yowzers. Morbid, but we'll end the Thanks show. Thank you guys so much.